This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. Huggies Little Movers is their best-fitting diaper ever with its curved and stretchy fit. Babies, no matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers are curved with up to 12-hour protection against leaks. Get your baby butt in Huggies best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. Uh, good afternoon, I'm Michael Malice, and let that be your welcome for the next hour. We have as our guest today one of the very few people who mm. I like to listen to talk about anything. We have author oh. and cultural critic of my oh. old red-eye sparring partner, John DeVore, one of my favorite lefties, uh, an unorthodox lefty. Why would I be unorthodox? Because you have no problem engaging with people on the right without getting butthurt. It depends on who I'm engaging with. If we're talking about you, I love talking politics with you because A, and it's something I wanted to talk about when I got here, was your politics are interesting to me, A, and B, uh, I respect you within reason. Okay. I wish I could say the same. Oh, is that how it's going to be? Yeah. I, you, how about this? I like talking politics with you because you amuse me. How about you're, this? You're, 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 Are you dressed like Cameron from Modern Family on Purpose? I, look, I am happy. I have. I am currently on an employment sabbatical. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm just happy I dressed myself. What? Did you- <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am so. I'm a little. I'm feeling a little awkward because I've not had to talk to someone face to face. When you in are weeks. unemployed or yeah. self-employed, as I am. The first thing to go is the hygiene. Sure. Is, uh, are, you, uh, are you showering less than every other day? Well, you know, it, yeah. So maybe every other day, but I do, you know, I do little splashies. Little the French, splash. yeah. I do the thing that, that, that people do in movies where, you know, I, I, I put my hand under a faucet and I pat my face. Okay, washing your face. Yeah. yeah. I spend just a lot of time watching TV and writing crazy things and... Hanging out, because as you know, media is a total and complete shit show. So what – let's get to that first. Quick. What do you sure. think is the worst thing about media nowadays? What do I think is the worst thing about media? I, you know, off the top of my head, I think that journalists and media companies are get rightfully criticized. They should be criticized. But the worst thing about media is – you know, look, media is a business, right? It's always been a business. Yes. The First Amendment doesn't guarantee a right to a business. It just guarantees the right to be able to express yourself and yes. write things, etc. Uh, the market sucks because uh, the American people suck. We would have better media if the market demanded it. We would have more fair, more you know, uh, uh, more honest media that covers stories fairly if the market wanted it. But the market doesn't want it. The market. You know, on Twitter, you know, confirmation bias, confirmation bias. Oh, yeah. Right. That is a needlessly pedantic way of saying people like to be told what they want to hear. Yes. The entire Fox News business model is based on that. The market, the people, the people criticizing media, they don't really want to be challenged. They don't really want good media. 
Uh, I think the market is completely broken. I think Americans have their heads up their asses. You had a piece for Medium. I did. That went wide called – It was called Digital Media is a Wasteland. I think the subtitle is a prose poem in 11 parts. Okay. And I wrote it after the BuzzFeed – all that – all those VC – uh, media companies began to hemorrhage their talent, right, and lay people off. And it was just, you know, I'd been in media for almost 20 years. Like, I've been laid off like four or five times. It's just part of this business, sure. right? You get laid off, I get rehired, new things happen. And uh, partly it was, you know, the article was about some weird memories. You know, I remember one company in the early 2000s I was hired to for a video company about about five years before YouTube came on. There was a whole race to be YouTube. There were dozens of wannabe YouTube sites. And and all of our programming was flopping, mainly because there was no broadband. But all of our uh, programming was flopping, and ultimately the, the CEO pulled us into a room and said, look, we're going to cancel the comedy, the news, all of it. We're only going to work with street magicians like David Blaine. But seriously? Yeah, he goes he goes, we're going to create magic videos. And then at the end of the meeting he goes, we can win at magic. And we did not win. Boy, did we not win. That's because you didn't believe. Yeah, the yeah. trick to magic working is you have to believe, so, stupid. So partly it's about some of those memories. And just, you know, just talk about digital media, you know. Um, uh, uh, and I, I was pleased with the reception. I got a lot of learn to code. But that's okay. Okay. Uh, I actually solicited people to tell me learn to code, and the people who did it got suspended. I had read that Twitter was – I got a lot of learn to codes uh, because because of Fox News and Red Eye, I'm followed by a number of conservatives, some who I find insufferable, some who – there are two in particular who are, are uh, who I call my, my Statler and Waldorf conservatives you know they heckle me and, and i i listen to them um but i heard that people who tweeted learn to code have been that it's hate speech on yeah. twitter right how does that make you feel uh, I, look number one it annoyed me but number two if you drill into a if you drill into things if you try to look below the surface right what i got from some of the conservatives who were saying learn to code was hey by the way i don't i, I don't know necessarily if they were conservatives i, I fine i i'm just painting because sure. it, it wasn't the pinkos who were doing sure. it to me but uh, the, the story that i got that wasn't implicitly told to me was that there's a journalist class yes right class Cla- i am sorry no but that's I, a good portmanteau it's a class and a cast oh okay it is a cast yeah. there is a journalist cast or, or uh, uh, one of many elite casts. And at one point, they were unsympathetic to working class right. people, to minors. Never mind my feelings about whether the state should support that industry Coal or miners, not. Coal miners, you mean, not children. Yeah, coal yeah. miners. Yeah. Uh, and that Learn to Code was a little bit of payback. Yes. Hey, we think that you were unsympathetic to uh, uh, coal miners being laid off and having their livelihood ruined. And just general yeah. American jobs being exploited, sure. yeah. So there was that story. Never mind the fact that I, I don't think I have ever personally mocked anyone losing their job. Right. But that was the argument, and I got caught 
in that a bit. Sure. No, but what do you think about the idea that Facebook was suspending people for tweeting? Oh, it was Facebook. It was Facebook or Twitter. It was Twitter. Twitter. You know, Twitter's a shit show. You exploit it beautifully. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I, you know, like there are times when I'm like, oh, Michael's a troll. Yeah. And then there are times where I'm like, oh, he's a satirist. I think there's a difference. Both. I'm doing both. I don't think they're compatible. I don't, I think a troll. I'm also earnest sometimes. You, you are. You are. No, no, I absolutely think that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 if I a, – a troll ultimately has a sacred cow. I, th- I think a troll ultimately has something that they cannot mock about themselves or there is a, an issue that they hold precious and won't m- ever make fun of. Uh, yeah, that's true. Like North Korea, I'm not going to – I'm, I'm humorous about it, but I'm not going to laugh about it. Uh Pure satire, I think, requires a bit of heartbreak and nihilism. Yes, I agree. Okay. And right. I think it's a – It's one reason I think satire doesn't work online because I think everybody has an Achilles tendon and a true satirist, I think, first and foremost makes fun of themselves before they – And I think satire is very – I agree with you that it's very dark and snide and it's cynical and I hate cynicism. You I do. do? Oh, Yes. I hate it. And I get accused of being a cynic often, and i that's one of the things that really triggers me. What would you say is the opposite of cynicism for you? Uh, someone who – Is it earnest? Is earnestness. It... And no, it's someone who sees the – for me, uh-huh. and this – I love when I get earnest as a troll, people don't know what to do with it, so they think I'm being a meta troll. I do <laughs> see a big part of myself as Wes Bentley in American Beauty seeing that garbage bag. I do think we wow. live in a world where there's a lot of beauty. I'll give you an example. I just had to block someone on Instagram over the weekend. Okay. Uh, one of the things that gives me true joy, uh, childhood things that are precious to you as a child, they mm-hmm. can carry over to an adult. So not only is it giving you pleasure now, it's kind of this continuum of your life. For me, it's bubblegum ice cream from Baskin Robbins. That was something I adored as a kid. I still enjoy the taste. It gives me pleasure to get it. It's just something – very innocent and pure in its goodness to me. Proustian. Sure. I don't know that I don't I love the taste too. And you get the gum, you put it in your cheek, you get a big gum bowl. And I was in Philly over the weekend and posting uh uh I had some ice cream from like one of those fancy hipster places in Philly, uh-huh. which I enjoyed enormously. And someone goes, Oh, you're finally eating grown up ice cream like Again, and not of that stupid ch- children's stuff. And I'm like, first of all, there's no such thing as grown up ice cream. It's ice cream is a yes. for children. It's okay, like, like ice cream is like Christmas. Yeah, yeah. These are things for children, <laughs> things for children. and you can enjoy them, but you must acknowledge that yeah. they are things for children. Second, how dare you <laughs> disparage something that gives yeah. me joy just because you regard it as juvenile? The idea that you can't have this childlike sense of fun and that's beneath you is like you are the, you are I'm not using this word loosely. You are the enemy. You are the enemy of goodness and you are a horrible human being. What, what now let me ask you. I'm going to drill down into your art just for a I've second. I've got to give you another example then. I'll let you, okay. okay. All right. My friend Marsha had this something called cuddle parties. Sure. Right, that, where people get together and cuddle. The first reaction they still I, happen? I think so. I don't okay. know. The first reaction people have is this is absurd and ridiculous yeah. and, and then you talk to her for 5 minutes like people need physical contact. And this is a way to have that, and you have this sense of connection that a lot of people need. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I wouldn't do it, but I get it. I, I think we could talk an hour about cuddle parties because sure. they were they were ahead of their time. Because I, the first cuddle party I remember when I was an editor at Max, and we made vicious fun of it, and that must have been over ten years. Oh yeah, this is a long time ago. Uh, so in a way, cuddle parties also presaged. Uh, this fragmented social sort of like 
loneliness that is. Yes. Yeah. Um, that that person that made fun of you on Instagram, yeah. was that person... I don't think they were even trying to make fun of me. Do you think they were trolling you? Were you trolled? No, I think they were being chummy. Oh, okay. They're like, oh, finally you're nutting up, buddy. And I'm All like, right. I'm not your buddy. And I don't... You're not going <laughs> to condemn my love of this thing because you think you're too cool for it because you're not. I, you know, I, I... And that's the opposite of cynicism. Cynicism is this sneer at like, oh, you like this, but that's... So so, that you're, uh, so cynicism has uh, insecurity baked in. I can't speak to that, but I'm just certain, curious. But my one, of, I've mentioned this many times in the show. One of my great heroes is Albert Camus. Mm-hmm. The, the, Heard of him? He was called existentialist. He did not like that label. He called himself an absurdist. But his whole point is, you know, cynicism is the soul killer, yeah. and it's the enemy, and that's what makes you give up on life. And it's like life is such a great, precious thing. I mean, it's interesting you say that. Yeah, I, you know, in that. That medium, and you have to be privileged to be cynical. You can't be cynical in like North Korea. Do you know what I mean? Or adolescent. Yeah, yeah, right. Which, which is why I grasped for insecure because, you know, one of the one thing I I write about that I've been writing about more often, because I come from men's magazines and gender marketing or you know gender uh, 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 journalism really. Uh, is like masculinity, right? And what is masculine? What's not? What's macho? What's and what you just said about uh, bubblegum ice cream? I think is a quintessentially masculine virtue: is loving something and standing up for yeah. it and loving it, regardless of what anyone else thinks. How everyone else, you know, that to me. Is a quintessential masculine fighting for your values. Certainly, yeah, I, yeah the va- values. But even, but you know, I think that there, you know, we, I think sometimes values people can think of them as you know these lofty sort of ideals. I love the idea that we have to be two New York pundits to talk about the masculinity of pink bubblegum ice cream. This is a beautiful moment. I, I, I it is, you know, and I, and, and again, but I agree with you. And again, I think that it can also be a masculine energy too. Like if you like pink, for whatever reason, pink bubblegum ice cream. Own it. Yes. You know, like own it and you don't need affirm- validation from anyone else. Um, in that media piece that I wrote, which is very funny and dark and and and, and this ties back to your cynicism. It, very, it's very dark and, and, and quasi-cynical, but the button at the end of it is essentially, you know, I'm going to keep doing this because I'm good at it because I love it and I'm hopeful. But you're not a cynic. I have I had there are points when I feel very insecure. Sure, where I can be cynical in this in that digital media piece, I wrestle with it, but but really at the end of the day, I I loved doing what I do on the internet. I love it. It wasn't cool in 1999 when I did it. Somehow some people thought it was cool at some point, and now it's not cool again, and that's great. But I, I genuinely love live writing. I love, you know, like I, I call blogging, you know, they, 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 there's a saying that journalism is literature in a hurry and internet writing is literature, you know, with a gun to the head. You just got <laughs> to bang it out and bang it out. And I genuinely love it. Uh, you said you had some questions for me. Uh, well, you know, it's been a while. Yeah. We had lunch a few months ago. Yeah. And it was, it was nice to see you when I was still employed. Yeah. Um, I'm always curious about your politics. Sure. 
And uh, uh, I have too many questions, but what is your – if you were on Fox and Friends, what is your hot take on the president in North Korea? Like my superficial sort of read is that I, I, I am not entirely certain that the first summit produced – or moved the needle in a dramatic way. I could be wrong, and I don't know. I'm not, I'm not entirely certain if this trip is theater or whether or not there are you know actionable diplomacy is going to happen. Uh, anytime you get someone like a dictator to get out of their house and leave the country, it's a show of weakness on their part, right? They're leaving their country. Uh, Kim Jong-il boasted that Japan, China, Russia were coming to visit him. It's like Hollywood. Who goes to whose table? So the fact that he's leaving the country is a big deal in and of itself. The fact that well, he- I'm sorry is that your conclusion is that is that something that is mirrored other places? That's a fascinating. Kim Jong Il explicitly said, "Why do I need to leave North Korea? Everyone comes here and kisses my ring." He didn't use the expression "kiss my ring," but his point yeah. was, "I'm the big man because they're coming to me." So it's like gangster optics. He's a gangster. It's yeah. a gangster regime. Uh, I mean, it's a family run. But but just the opt. I just find that fascinating. Okay, so That's one. so so him going to Vietnam is is weakness, or even Singapore. Okay. Right. right. Two, the fact that the anti-American propaganda has been lessened within Korea itself, given that that is the creation myth of North Korea, is that it's the U.S. imperialists who have made them this country is riven into due to our machinations is a very big deal. The fact that he's publicly musing, remember he they sentenced President Trump to death. Okay. The fact that now he's publicly <laughs> musing about ha- not having nuclear weapons over the heads of his children, meaning the countrymen, is a big deal. Uh-huh. Now. Concrete, I agree with you. I want to see concrete results. But if this was going in the right direction, this is what it would look like. And I think uh, it is disturbing that people are viewing this in the uh, context of what does this mean for President Trump. The only lens to look at this is what does this mean for the North Korean people? That is the – I'm going to write a piece, I guess, for the Federalist or whatever. Um, That is the only lens to view this. Does this mean they're getting food? Does this mean they're closing down the concentration camps? Does this mean they're getting outside information? Does this mean they're not going to be scared of the – So you think that there is a a path to relieving the suffering of the North Korean people that is not – War or radical regime change? That well, it would be kind of... radical regime change if they're at all liberalized even a little. Incrementally. It, it would be gradually and then suddenly. Is that okay? You know, because once you break that dam, it's going to be very hard to – and the fact that they're demilitarizing the DMZ, which is the most militarized border on earth, is a big deal. I, I did not read that. Yeah. so That sounds like a huge story. Removed, Why wouldn't... Right. Removing landmines. I mean the fact that if, if landmines are being removed anywhere on earth – that's great. Yeah, isn't isn't the DMZ like one of the purest animal res, uh, preserves in the world because no humans have set foot in there for like <laughs> right. seventy years or Correct. something? Yeah, it's uh, right. You can't because you're likely right. to be blown off. And it's, like, it's like it's like the it's like nature's greatest preserve right. because there's there are no right. humans there. So and also what I want to have happen, which has started happening, is reunification of these families who have been separated for cent- for decades between the north and the south. People haven't seen their. So I'm sure the North Korean government knows that. That probably better than anyone that if you begin to remove the gen- the Jenga blocks, it falls down. Yeah. Kim Jong-il uh, took the footage from the Romanian uh, dictator Ceausescu's uh-huh. assassination. Shot against the wall with, his, with wife. his wife. He played that footage for the party cadres literally every day. 
and said to them, if there's a revolution, this is what's going to happen to you. And he did a choking motion with his hand. So they are painfully aware that if things go down, they will have bullets put in them with good reason. And that's one of the reasons he killed his half-brother. Because according to North Korean law, the Ten Commandments of the great leader Kim Il-sung, uh, only someone with the blood of Mount Paek II can be the leader. So there's no Mike Pence. So without him having a sibling, you can't take him out because then who knows what's going to happen. Otherwise, they could have taken him out and put in his brother Kim Jong-nam and it would have been fine. So are these changes – and forgive me for being uh, uh, a fancy-prancy liberal. Are these, are these changes – does the Trump administration deserve credit or is this the result of 60-some-odd years is, of I'll, – I'll be glad to give everyone credit. I don't care. You know okay. what I mean? Like, okay. On, on That's one a great, I think that that Number is – Number two is it's undeniable that during the Obama years, North Korea wasn't on the front burner. Right. right? They didn't know what to do with North Korea. And in a sense, you can you cannot blame them because it's like what do you do right. when they have uh, you know how many – 20 million hostages? Right. So the fact that Trump made this issue Ma- maintain on, the sto- Maintain the, the – the status quo is the best it's going to get. Right. right. Yeah. So the fact that Trump made this his number one international priority is a huge deal. The fact that we're talking about this is a huge deal. The fact that now, in small part thanks to my work, I'll take a little bit of credit. Take credit. The, the conversation has gone from they're crazy to they are evil is huge progress. Why? Because evil suggests that they're – Rational. Right. And they can be worked with and reasoned with as opposed to we don't know what they're going to do next. That's a very subtle uh, uh, messaging difference. I hadn't thought of that. But that, I mean that was the point of my book and what I've been doing for years is like getting into people's heads. These people are completely sane. They're just demonic. Hmm. More questions. Sure. Um, back to politics. Yeah. Just because I, I don't get the th- – the only people I had to talk about it are either conservative crazies on Twitter or my own liberal friends. Sure. And I had a conversation the other night over dinner about the electoral college that made me want to pull my hair out. Okay. Where they were like, majority rules. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck me. Um, where, how do, where are you on the spectrum? Uh, full Asperger's. <laughs> I bet mean, you knew that already. I'm an anarchist. I just, I always thought you were quirky. Are you still, um, what did I call you? Are you still an, an arachnid capitalist? Arachno capitalist. Yeah. yeah, I'm an arachno capitalist. <clears throat> I believe in a matriarchy. Yeah, that, that, <clears throat> that murders and eats the men. Yeah. Uh, once that they have stopped being. Um, is that, where does that fit in with libertarianism? Just out of, because I like arachno. Anarcho-capitalism. I don't call myself an anarcho-capitalist. What do you call yourself? Anarchist without adjectives. Right. Just a straight-up anarchist. Yes. And how does that – and that's a libertarian. No. No. Uh, I am – Help me. I identify with libertarians. I don't identify as libertarian. Okay. Um, I think there's – the word libertarian has many meanings, none of – some of which would apply to me, most of which would not. Uh, First of all – I don't truck at all with the Libertarian Party or any political party. Okay. Uh, libertarianism also implies minarchism, you know, having a minimal government, which I am against. Uh, because? Because I don't think that's possible, and I think it's a it's a obscenity. Uh, also, the idea that— Isn't an anarchist no government? Anarchist is no government, right. but sometimes less might be worse than more. Because you might have to be like, there's also the idea of accelerationism, which is let's make this worse so then things fall apart. So the idea that like we should gradually go 
to smaller and smaller in an asymptotic way, as opposed to get worse and worse and then clean the slate. These are two strategies I'm open to considering. And I consider myself someone who's much closer. <clears throat> it's easier for me to defend anarchism than it is to defend capitalism. And I think the anarcho-communists have a lot of interesting and valuable things to say. And they were the first anarchists. But you, you are a capitalist. I'm an anarchist. Capitalist often means – and I, this is splitting hairs, but it's important. I, I split it. I find it fascinating. It's corporatism. The idea like the corporations are going to be running everything, right? And the corporations nowadays especially are the devil. Like what do you think is the worst thing about media in this day and age? Well, you – through your wonderful trolley Twitter account, introduced me in the wide, wonderful world of media criticism to the corporate press. Yes. Right. Um, which I've thought a lot about, uh, which I find f- fascinating, which is why when you asked that question earlier, I, I wanted to blame people for not wanting better information because information will always be valuable. Um, but we're not at we don't we're not demanding better information. So as let's just clear things for the audience. I said we were going to do a segment where I ask you the same question three times, uh-huh. and you pretend every time it's the first, uh-huh. and you just said when I asked that question earlier. Oh well, no, you ruined it on the very first show. I thought, oh, why did you even give that away? Because you gave it away. You, you just said when you asked again. that question earlier. Well, you didn't ask the same question. It I was the same be... question. It literally was the same question, John. This I, is don't why you keep you, get... I don't think you did it well. This is why you keep getting fired. <laughs> you had one job. You had one fucking job. What, why? Well, try it again. No! Do it again. <laughs> what do I tell what it something? Here's, 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 here's the truth is... You failed your own joke because you wanted to create something kind of absurd. Surreal, yeah. Absurd and surreal are not the same thing. I know. That's why I corrected you. No, it would have been absurd. It wouldn't have been surreal. It would have been absolutely surreal if you asked the same question three times and the person with a straight face gives three different answers. No, it'd be absurd because then you're making a statement about the monotony of media no, and interviews. No, I'm not. That's, what, that's the whole point. No, it's not the whole point. The whole point is to have the audience question the reality. Kaufman was an absurdist, not a surrealist. Andy Kaufman was absolutely a surrealist. He was not a surrealist. Surrealists don't require context and Andy Kaufman's entire shtick – was subverting context and uh, 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 mangling reality. I promise you that Tim Dillon next week is going to be able to do this perfectly. Who's Tim Dillon? Someone who knows how to be surreal. Is he a comedian? Yes. Oh, wow. How rare and fascinating. He was on Joe Rogan recently. Was he really? Yeah. You've never been. Great. <laughs> that is. It's I don't Milan. think I've ever watched Joe Rogan. Well, some people do. It's fairly popular. It, he, it's a very popular podcast. Yeah. It's an extremely popular podcast. He's got a podcast. show here on this network called Tim Dillon Goes to, is Going to Hell. The only show I know on this network is – I don't even know if he has a show here anymore. Uh, Dave Smith? Yeah, part of the problem. He also has Legion of Skanks. Yes, right. That's, that's, why, that's why I, I know this. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for screwing up your hack bit, uh, but it was an absurdist bit, not why a surrealist bit. Why would an absurdist bit be a hack bit? Hack bits are not absurdist. They're the opposite of absurdist. It's just hack because it's you. What does that even mean? I have no idea. This is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. Well, I'm, I I was so happy that you were coming in because I knew you'd be able to deliver. On a funny bit. 
It's a very funny bit. It would have been. It would have been. I, well, then and it's going to be next week. Well, and it's going to be with Ron Coleman. I, we, were having, we were having an honest conversation. I did not know. You did know. We talked about this at length before the show. Where are you on the spectrum? Full. I'm a 10. <laughs> I'm a 10, motherfucker. So even minute little little changes in, in the plan kind of just throw you off. Yeah, betrayal does throw me off. <laughs> did you see what I did as betrayal? Um, it's not not betrayal. Did I betray you? Yeah, there was deception. You were basically all right. Drunk. So you 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 Twitter DM me that you were going to ask me the same question three times. Yes, right. Because you thought it was it, going to, and we discussed it ahead of the show. What made you think? So you just wanted like you just wanted to be subtle. Yeah. Okay. Just like with the show title and my co-host on Nightshade. You have a co-host on Nightshade? Yeah, it's a rotating giant sponge, and people don't know what it is, and you're not allowed to explain that it's a sponge. That's lynching. People think it's a meteorite. That is lynch. So is the interview over now? No, it's not. Oh, I mean, just that's em- too bad. Just emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> Dead to me. What's your favorite ice cream? <laughs> um, I have three. Yeah? No, what it's are the big bubblegum. It's my favorite ice cream. You see, you could have, you could have taken that opportunity. To been like, oh no, my favorite ice cream is obviously Rocky Road. Why would that be obvious? Because I just asked you a second question, and you could have responded with a slightly different ice cream. It's not funny when it's like a one-word answer. It's funny when there's an answer that's in depth, because then it adds that element of surrealism. Yeah, absurdism. Sure. There's What's a, absurd a is thinking you could be there's funny. A difference. <laughs> Even when the fucking script is written for you. I, I, I'm I sorry that I failed you, Michael. You failed yourself. I, Congratulations. I, you look, paid yourself. I fail myself all the time. I'm very comfortable with failing myself. Apparently. I have a healthy relationship with failure. And you have no guilt. I have none whatsoever. I am sorry that I failed <laughs> your big Andy Kaufman moment. You did. You did. You're no Jerry Lawler, motherfucker. <laughs> And you never will be with that attitude. You know what his nickname was? The King. Oh, he shit. was the King. And you're the three. Are you, I hope you hold this against me for the rest of our relationship. I, what, for the next 20 minutes? Oh, is that – that's longer than I thought it would be. Okay. So you did have questions for me. Uh, no, I exhausted them. <laughs> that was it? The anarcho – the racket of capitalism? I have no more – I have no more interest in you. Uh, yeah. I have none whatsoever. Right. So – my little troll. I am a troll. I know you are. And you You're have... a conflicted troll. Oh, okay. Let's hear the psychoanalyzing. It's not psychoanalyzing. I have no idea who you are personally. You have some idea. I just know your output. You're a troll. And we were talking about troll sure. versus satire, and you're a troll. Yeah. But how am I conflicted? Uh, well, you have a sensitive side. Sure. You have an earnest side. Yeah, very much. Uh, you have a set of values an and beliefs. Yes, that's very much true. Um, and you also are, you know, a snickering little jester and you like to uh, upset people. Oh, I adore it. Yeah. Why? Um, because I think people – why do I – first of all, it's funny when people are turned into performers against their will or without their knowledge. That's the basis <laughs> of trolling. All right. Um. Number one. Number two, it's we are so focused on, in general, on presenting a persona of ourselves as we'd like to be perceived, which is an insincerity. 
at, ba- at base. It's fun to drop that mask from other people and watch what's been bottled up inside. And that is always, almost always, very entertaining. Would you see yourself as a supervillain or a superhero? Well, I'm, I have a comic book written about me, so I am very much a supervillain. I did not know that. Ego and hubris. But yeah, I, I, know, Picard, I, I know, know that. I know yeah. that. I know that. I just wanted to see you light up. Yeah. I just wanted to see the truth. They, they want to call you a cuck for not knowing who Tim Git Dillon is. I, this, is my first, this is my first time in this uh, studio. Well, he's very famous. I don't I don't uh, how do I say this? Uh watch a lot of comedy. Okay. He's a good guy. Well, I'm just Great. For the I'll chat check room. him I'll check him out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if he's on your show that he must be very funny. Well, that's not usually been the track record so far. <laughs> I'm sure. uh and very intelligent. <laughs> Over oh, two, buddy. <laughs> I can't wait not to tune in next week. <laughs> Let that be your welcome. Um, uh, what is this show even usually about? It's tra- <laughs> uh, wait, what do you mean? Do, do you do that same three-question bit every time? No, this was going to be the first time. Okay. Well, I'm sure the second time it's going to kill. <laughs> well, I was so excited because I thought you'd be so good at it. I, it's just a different interview energy, man. What does that mean? I didn't come in here with any kind of artifice or, I mean, comedy it requires is a performance. And I, as I sat down and I'm like, I you know what? I didn't perform. I specifically asked you. I know you did, but then we got on, but then we, but like, you know, all battle, all battle plans fail once contact with the enemy is made, you know? Like, I don't know what that means in this context. It means that we sat down here. I looked into your beautiful eyes. They're blue. And we got, yeah. Okay. And we got, uh, we, we started having a real conversation and then I got a little loose yeah okay. i got a little Un- loose service, I, I i don't talk to people i'm sorry i'm Un- not getting paid for this shit Un- how is it how now is you're it definitely not getting paid oh there was a surprise payment yeah there, there was. was is there really yeah well, you're I, gonna I, get I this hope, mug thrown to your fucking head i hope free. i hope i hope tim dylan merchpump.com oh wow oh i could oh i'm not gonna get my very own you're welcome you know you spelled. T-shirt. You know you spelled that incorrect. <laughs> Did I? It's the producer. He's from Australia. They spell differently there. I keep telling him, and he just keeps, you, he keeps you know writing you... the letters upside down, <laughs> as is their want. With Russia, it's the backwards R. Australia, it's the upside down R. So uh, this comedian that's coming on next week, I hope he's watching because he's going to have he, the bit's going to be. You're going to ask him three questions. No, I'm asking him the same question three times. Okay. Here, let's do a little rough rehearsal. All right. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the worst thing about media? Uh, the people who consume it. That was your first answer. Right. Well, now we're starting at one. Uh, the worst thing about man. media uh, is clearly that there has been a generation of journalists who have been raised, who have been taught to think it's a religion, and it is not a religion. How? Do, how what do you mean by religion? Uh, there, I, I learned journalism as a trade. I came to the city. I was a temp. I became a receptionist. Uh, there was a job opening as a fact checker. Okay. I was taught fact checking. Oh, like Bright Lights, Big City. Uh, but, yeah, but for like a trade magazine. Okay. You know, and then I had uh, a job. My the, the way I got an editorial job is the guy said, go and find three errors in today's New York Times. Oh. So I spent... Eight hours pouring over, I found like two copy errors, right? Um, I didn't go to J school. There's an entire generation, I think, of 
of journalists who have been taught to be that they're superheroes. When, Firefighters, yeah. Right. When, you know, when it is finding good, verifiable information is always valuable. And that's the job. And I think that there are – there is a generation of journalists to whom they think that they are doing uh, – that, that that work is above them or is below them. Yeah. Right? So that's what I think is the main problem with media. Yeah, and it's the irony is that yeah they regard themselves as superheroes and they have no or little idea of how much contempt the layman has them has for them. Sure, I, look, there is that uh, there is an old cliche in movies of a journalist at a at a dive bar, right, with like firefighters, and that's because that profession once upon a time was a working class profession. Oh yeah, it was low class. It was it's not esteem held in esteem. Right. I used to call I when I would go into publishing and I'd meet all of these uh, rich kids. Who were able to, who who got cushy internships? I realized that J school for many of them was like law school that wasn't hard, or it's like Exeter, you know, right? But boarding it, school, yeah. But it's like you know, it was a, it was a, it was a good job at a dinner party. Yeah, yeah. And that's not my experience, right? But I think there's an entire generation to whom journalism is this elevated profession, and it, it's, an, I think it's important, but I don't think it's, I, I, I don't get. Why it? Why it's not? You know, again, religion. It's not. It's Molly Hemingway, who I adore. Just recently <laughs> had a tweet. You don't like her? Mm. It's not about like I do not know Molly Hemingway. Uh, Molly Hemingway's. We followed each other for a little while. Oh, uh, we used to have. Did you fuck up one of her jokes? No, we used to have pleasant DMs. Uh, our politics diverge dramatically, sure. and I don't. You know, at Twitter, I get it's a performance. It's a living. It's, you know, she certainly has uh, uh, become very popular in in a certain political sphere. Sure. Um, I just, you know, I don't consume the opinion journalism always that I, you know, but that's not to say I don't consume other conservatives. Who unfollowed who first? I think I unfollowed her. Ooh. But I thought that was mercy. I mean, I didn't block her. I didn't mute her. I still read her. But that algorithm, I didn't want to. You know, I, I, I think the shittier thing is to is to follow her and mute her. I just unfollowed her because, and you know what, she's probably not interested in things that I have to tweet. But I also well, can you blame her? <laughs> but I also don't want to particularly fight with her because I don't. She's great. I you know, I don't great. have anything against fucking Molly or her. Uh, I guess her husband, who I also unfollowed, Heminator. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not personal against them. It's just I don't follow their uh, their politics. But I mean, as far as conservatives go, I think she and Fred are great. Uh, Mark, that's your me, opinion, Fred. Yeah. Okay. I mean, as far as there's most most conservatives, I think bring nothing to the table. Nothing. Nothing. Um, I think they're different. You think those two are different? Molly especially. I, I Why? Fred doesn't uh, – Mark does – no, it's, it's – it's, Heminator is his handle. I forget if it's Fred or Mark. I think it's Mark. It is Mark, yeah. Uh, I think she is open to – she's not a talking points person. Right. And look, she gives – she gives hell Who's Mark to Hemingway the in that case? MSM. Yeah. Right. And again, you know – I also learn to code aside. 
you know, the MSN, you know, the mainstream media can can take the criticism. Uh, you know, I also find it very useful for me to follow people who are religious, informed, and articulate. Oh, okay, that's and she brings that, and that's something I is kind of foreign to my thinking, and I'm interested in that worldview. I had a lot of religion growing up. Okay, and I so that. I find yeah, uh, but I, I get. I mean, look, whenever. When Trump was elected, all my all my friends were like, "This is not normal." Right? Correct. That's indisputable. But I, but I was like, eh, it sort of was. I'm like, we all live in this like one big house, and there's a big room up there where there are evangelicals, and then the other room there, you know, these people are in your house, whether or not you choose to see sure. them, engage with them, right. talk with them. This is politics. We're all trying to figure out how to live together without murdering each other in mass. But, uh, uh, you know, the evangelicals, the very, you know, like my granddad was a Baptist preacher. I grew up with just a lot of that messaging. Like they oh, were, right. okay. They, and they it's were, very different for you. they were powerful in my world. Yeah. Like when I made fun of them, when I, when I chose not to be religious, they were the Goliath, you know, and I think evangelicals right now see a world that is changing very quickly and they're having to make compromises. I think they might regret one day in order to hold on to, political power because i think a lot of evangelicals have an existential outlook on america that they are their backs are to the wall yeah they're you know uh so so who else do you like not like on twitter so i don't like I've, I've i continue to follow you sometimes i even give you a little fave i'm awesome um i probably can consume... I, I got it i know what i have to ask you what in 2004 i was part of a five person panel for either the Daily News or the New York Post. I don't remember which one. Mm -hmm. And our job was to watch the presidential debates and mm -hmm. have our comments. And of course, I said George Bush won, uh, even though he was not even speaking English uh, against Kerry, just because I knew it would piss people off. And a buddy of mine at the time had the paper, and he sees my picture, and he sees my commentaries, and he, he's eating the cereal, and he's just like... And it kind of ruined his breakfast, which is something I enjoy even, what, 15 years later. <laughs> what was your reaction when you saw that Trump Jr. followed me? <laughs> uh, you know, that was such a long setup. You are a comedy genius. I did screw up your three questions. I, um, I – <laughs> I saw that on Twitter, yeah. and then I I immediately saw it on Instagram. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, I'm so happy when a friend of mine is genuinely happy. I <laughs> was that really the thought process? You know, I I I knew you would love it, and and to to a certain degree, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yes, John. You know, and as much as you are a, a weird little man, I am. Just a bizarre short stack of neuroses. Yes, I am. Um, sure. And as all, and and sometimes you annoy me on Twitter. Good, certainly. And I had to catch myself, and I'm like, do not <laughs> fucking reply. He's a crazy person. <laughs> he is a crazy. Um, <laughs> your politics in that whole realm that is not corporate liberal, blah blah blah. Yeah, you are. You you. I enjoy that you are. You are a little smarter than a lot of the people who follow you. Um, I knew you loved it and it amused me that the president's son in that moment found an ally that emotionally moved him. Yes. You emotionally moved 
And I found it oddly testify. I found it oddly humanizing. Praise him. I found it humanizing. Okay. Because here he is with his, on his part or on my on part? On his part. Okay. Bearded, sweaty, daddy issues, divorcee, you know, uh constantly getting barraged by criticism. Also having his butt kit like he's obviously in you know that's an emotional bubble to be in sure and there he goes following little Michael Malice yeah. like it, for a brief moment he he it was a connection yeah you were connected yeah Every- to a future criminal <laughs> <laughs> a, a smooth criminal I found it very humanizing on his part I found it very humanizing because if if, if I am to give the uh, Donald Trump Jr. the gift of humanity. I would assume his social media experience, his media experience is one of constant hostility, whether yes. it is warranted or not. Every meme is him behind bars. Right. Blah, blah. So it, it, and, and, it, and it fits in the Trump family playbook to punch back harder. Yes. So he does that. But he's still a human being and he's constantly barraged. And I don't know why he followed you, but clearly he in his head, he went, perhaps this is a friend. Yeah. I am a friend to all people. Perhaps this man will like me uh i would hi- i f- for many years i had aquariums and i'm an expert on marine aquaria i would recommend people really? people not get an aquarium especially marine aquarium here's why when you get that rare fish every moment every morning you wake up you're in terror and you go to the living room to see if it's survived the night right because it's it's tricky this is my twitter experience now Waiting for him to unfollow me, <laughs> like every morning, and I've stopped checking because I don't need those panic attacks. Well, maybe in the best possible scenario, you one late night get a DM from him. That's that's essentially I'm for a moment, Michael. Allow me to take my mask off. Do you know how tempted I am as a troll to slide into his DMs and say, "What up, my N word." <laughs> And just have that screenshot, knowing in this check that he saw it. That it, it, it's dangling in front of it would, me. Like it would be even better if it was the the three dots. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a Twitter account just called- on the off chance that that at a moment of weakness <laughs> and alienation, Donald Trump Jr. goes, oh, "I've received a DM from my friend Michael Malice." <laughs> <laughs> perhaps a- perhaps I should trust him. Perhaps I should give him my heart. Perhaps he is my N-word as well. <laughs> there is a Twitter account called Trump's Feed, which just is a bot, which whenever any of the Trump family members follow or unfollow yeah. someone, it, it sends out a tweet. So if he unfollows me, everyone's going to know immediately. <laughs> and, here's, I, and here's where the earnestness but you, you have, you've had You have high profile – like. Hardcore Trump supporter followers. Oh yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Schlichter. Kurt Schlichter. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah, good yeah. buddies. He's been on this show. He does Nightshade. He's been on Nightshade. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, he's been on. You're welcome. We had a great episode. Um, he's a good conservative who I think ha- there's hope for him in terms of. Uh, I think he's almost all almost most of the way there. Uh, to conser- to true conservatism. <laughs> true. What are you talking about? To, to, to knowing to being red pilled fully. Oh, to being red pilled. Yeah. Okay. Great. I love the Matrix. It, uh, one of the I'm doing the audio book right now, and they told me I for my book the new right. Oh, I, I thought made, you meant like the Matrix. Matrix is made. recording the audio book, uh-huh. and they said you can make any changes you want. So now in the audio book, the Matrix is, is Matrix is referred to correctly as a documentary. Yeah, it was a very important documentary. Yeah. the Matrix. It holds up. The movie? Yeah, I just watched it. It holds up. It never did. What? It never did. It's because you're so blue pilled. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, it has one of the great zingers in sci-fi. But, but I know sci- I know kung fu. That one. No, the whole stupid fucking zinger that he's in a cocoon. That that reality isn't reality. That's, That's not what a, a zinger. zinger. Is. That is an ex- that is a twist. That is the movie's primary. A zinger twist. is a one liner, a humorous one liner. You don't even know humor when you fucking look at it. I have never been. On a radio show by this Rain a radio Man show. or whatever it is. You know, this is a oh, that's right. Being recorded. Right. Okay. Whatever. We're, we're, we're okay. All right, live. Rain Man. The Matrix is an okay movie, and now it is a a toxic political philosophy. <laughs> it's only toxic if you're made of cancer, <laughs> that, well, like chemotherapy. I, uh, oh, what's that mean? Chemotherapy. Yeah, it's sad when people get it. Well, no, it's 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 it promising. You you could have a cancer that is resistant to it. Sure. Right. Yeah. So chemotherapy is hope. I've had a couple of fans who have like your tweets help me while I'm battling cancer. Hundred percent. I have lost family to cancer, and uh, dark humor is an absolute uh, tonic. Cause... It's very upsetting to me that they think just because they're that sick they get a reply. <laughs> The fuck you think you are? <laughs> You're an evolutionary dead end. Oh, oh, look at that! You are, you are a troll. Herbert Spencer, baby. You will make who's fun Herbert, of Ken- who's Herbert Spencer. You know he is a social Darwinist. Yeah. Who coined the term um, "survival of the fittest"? Correct. It's yes. been misunderstood. You know. Correct. How? I forgot that part. Survival of the fittest doesn't mean the fittest should survive. It's that in any environment is the fittest that inevitably do survive. Do you have any other questions for me, Michael? I do. Uh, I've got a few questions for you. We've got another 10 minutes to go. It it feels like it's been two hours. Oh, imagine it from my perspective. (laughs) I don't know. I've allowed you to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I regret the same. What Uh, other questions do you have? What do you think is the worst thing about Trump's America. I'm I'm having a moment in my life about Trump's America. Oh. Cuz I'm really tired of the it's a lot of energy to yes. hate. Yes. And and I find him I'm looking I find it a, a recently kind of poignant that he sits on the toilet or wherever in the White House and tweets and no one gives a shit. Like, you know, clearly the Republican Party sees him as an end to uh, – a means to an end. Yeah. Right. They they clearly think that he is a useful idiot of some sort or another. Okay. Um, um, but, you know, I, I – he is, he is far more complex than the liberals give him credit for. And I fear that he, he could win in 2020. You brought up 2004, right? And 2004 was a heartbreak for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm opposed to military intervention in Venezuela. I of was opposed yes. in Libya. Amen. I was opposed, you know, people forget that Iraq and Afghanistan, like we're talking, like what, 70% of America was all for that. Oh, yeah. Right. Like that was scary. Like the vast majority of this country was like, go, go, go. Whose fault is that? Bipartisan. The press. The press, the Lost Democrats, war. the Republicans, it was uh, – the the majority of this country, including uh, the, the, the former Democratic uh, uh, nominee for president, supported that it war. It is demonic that when Trump bombs Syria, all the talking heads are saying he's finally presidential. 
Oh yeah, that was that is disturbing to the core. But that was a shit show to me because that was disturbing, and the fact that he did it was all of it was, was sure. But the point that people don't realize is the cheerleading that is crosses party lines for attacking other countries. Is oh, they love so it. thoroughgoing. It's and it's very American. Yes, we, we are. We love blowing shit up. Yeah, it's how we celebrate our birthday. In two thousand, you know, two thousand four was a heartbreak. And I realized because I was creating a lot of trolly, anti-Bush parody. Yeah, yeah what was that website you had? Uh, it, it was called Whitehouse.org. Yeah. We got millions of people came to that site thinking it was the White House. And then they realized – they found out it wasn't. I realized in 2004 though that all of my liberal friends, including myself, thought that George W. Bush was stupid. Yeah. You know, J- J- John Kerry was so sure he was going to win right. that when that Swift Boat stuff came out, which was hard-nosed, desperate political warfare. Which was Jerome Corsi, who is now under investigation by Mueller. He was. But yeah. like when that came out, and it was hard-nosed and it was punching below the belt. But the Kerry people were so above it and right. they ignored it. I realize that the Democrats will tell themselves things. One of them is that George Bush was stupid. And clearly, it, he, he's not a moron. He's not. And he was surrounded by smart people. Oh, that's for sure. And when you underestimate your opponent, you just set yourself up to lose. And I think it is really you, – you brought up, I think, uh, the difference between – you did uh, – crazy and evil. Oh, yes. I don't think Donald Trump is crazy. I know that, that the liberals love to say uh, you know, he has dementia. Right. Or he's, you know, he's out there. He's losing it. Right. I don't – I don't think he is a dumb person. And I think that if the Democrats are smart, they will run a campaign against smart people. I, I don't I, – you know, he is a guy who knew that if he rolled into West Virginia dressed like a New York billionaire, the people of West Virginia would be like, oh, well, he's – thank God he's not eating fried food on a stick. Yeah. You know, they were like, oh, thank Christ he's not re- wearing jeans and acting like he's a – you know, he's showing up looking like who he is, right? Um, um, that's smart. That was smart politics. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think. I think Trump's America is, you know, complicated. Um, but I don't – I don't want to underestimate him. He drives me fucking crazy. And his, he's he he is an amazing troll. He is an oh, incredible yes. Twitter troll. Yes, unreal. I quote tweeted him the other day, and and I was just like, why did I do that? I just, ugh, I'm a loser. <laughs> I'm like, why did I fucking? Did you delete do? it? No, I didn't. Because there's another part of me that's like, you're doing it, John. You're, you're taking you're on the president. Freedom. He like, saw this. Like, like, yeah, yeah. That's going to be the tweet that's going to wreck him. He's Trump- going to read that. He's going to go, John DeVore? You know. Trump, Trump is finished. Yeah, right. I'm like, you're the leader of the resistance. Yeah. <sighs> Such a loser. What do you th- – here's a good example of that is Elizabeth Warren. He is forcing her to look like a loon because she thinks he's a moron <sighs> and it's taking him at face value. Yes, that at the- here's here's the the three part three here's the three acts, an entire year, Pocahontas, 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 take this uh, uh, ancestry kit. I took the ancestry kit. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> that is trolling. 
He literally said, who cares? He spent a year asking her to do it, said he'd give a million dollars to charity if she's the nominee and does it. She does it. He goes, who cares? But also, like, you know, she That's has seen the football. She has rare. She has had in the past rare moments where I think that she's able to talk the pinko talk without pissing off Wall Street. I agree. Which is an interesting trick to pull. Yeah. But her team's inability to resist that bait when it would otherwise, I think, rot on the vine. Yes. Shocks me. It's got it to be, be her. Uh, it because ab- she took that test in secret, remember. And she oh, chose- Oh, was it in secret? It was in secret. And not only that, oh, they that didn't even test for head. Native American DNA. They tested for Chilean and, and like Venezuelan DNA. So it wasn't even Native American. Even there was, It wasn't even testing for that. And she chose to release it. It yeah. was completely an unforced error and demented. It's you know he is especially good at that. Yeah, he even said that he you he know. said some tweet about her during the campaign. He goes, "I drive her nuts!" Exclamation point. He you called know. it, and he also understands. It's one reason the baby boomers, man. He also understands that this has nothing to do with policy. And Correct, it, and it won't have anything to do with policy until uh, a large a large enough percentage of Americans feel some kind of pain. Yes. You know, George I think that's W. Fair. You know, George W. Obama won for many reasons, but one reason he won is two wars and the economy jackknifing. Yes, and and those two wars, a lot of Republicans were sending their sons and Correct. daughters, so. and so the, they felt the pain. Yeah, and so this is all going to be a circus, unfortunately. I think until a large enough a group of Americans are like, we don't this, we don't like this. It's never going to happen. Yeah, because you know Americans hate circuses as a rule. We love circuses until there's pain. Sure. Who's and your, I don't want pain. Who's your candidate? In 2020? Yeah. Oh, man, I, I hate them all. I, I don't no, hate them don't. all. I don't hate them all. I don't I, – you know, the, the, the Democrat civil war between the, the, the millennial leftists and the establishment. Sure. Right? And I'm Gen X in the middle. Is so tedious to me. <laughs> okay, I, you know, at least in the Republican uh, split schism, th- they fight with knives, and they're and they're they they fight. Right. You know, the the Democrat. I I don't. Well, Amy I w- Klobuchar brings a knife. I, yeah, she fa- her the campaign against her the, the. You know that's Democrats leaking that info. I, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. Yeah, I I, compl- I I had that thought the moment I started reading about the Sanders airplane, yeah, private that's, plane that's not campaigns. Bananas to me, and it and it terrifies me because it makes me also think that these are the same people who are like Hillary can run again. Oh, I and hope. Oh God, I would hope that. I, I look for me. Obama was never the transformational president. My sweet Satan. Trump was. If Hillary runs again, I will give to you John Divorce's soul. <laughs> I know it's of little value because it's so filthy and unused. But this, I promise to you. Oh, prayer to the dark, Lord. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I, I really – you know, I'm hoping somebody shows up. There's got to be people that you like because they're not all the same. Some are much better than others. I, you know what I'd like? I'd like a slightly more pinko Jim Webb. Jim Webb's a lunatic. Yeah. I like – Jim Webb is a I, – I will – because of my upbringing – So you like Tulsi? Because of – no. Because of my upbringing, okay. I was raised a Southern Democrat. Yeah. Right? My dad worked for uh, uh, a Texas uh, – the last Texas Democratic senator. Okay. Um, I will forever have – John Connolly? What was his name? Lloyd Benson. Lloyd, oh. 
I know Ted Kennedy, uh, John Kennedy. You're not John Kennedy. Yeah. Right, whose who's, who's legacy is the most popular like political snap of all time. Yeah. Um, I, I will always lean towards Southern Democrats. In a sort of, you know, um, you know who I like. I like of all of the of all of the midterm losers, I do like Stacey Abrams. I think she's great. Yes, and I, I like her more than 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 O'Rourke or or Andrew Gillum. She's the only loser who I'm like. I think she should have won, and I think that she should be. I saw an interview that was going viral in right-wing circles about her on CNN because she had kind of switched her issue on gun control, right, mm-hmm. and she kind of backpedaled. And that's a tough question to ask because you you have to lie. And I thought she tap danced very well. I thought she came off very intelligently. And I thought this woman has a big future ahead of her. Uh, uh, I'm not surprised she lost because it's Georgia. But yeah. yeah, she really has some future ahead of her in my opinion. I, you know, a Southern Democrat is going to be able to talk about guns in a – And she doesn't come off like a loon. Right, right. Uh, uh, anyone, uh, the, the non-Southern Democrats, when they talk about guns, they really, they're really playing the fear card. And yes. I, I, I don't oppose many forms of gun control, but at the same time, I acknowledge that that the the, the you know, the Second Amendment's not going anywhere, and that there is a such thing as gun culture, and that right. that I, you know, my, I have a family, but there are, you know, the vast majority of gun owners don't belong to the NRA. The overwhelming majority of gun owners don't belong to the NRA. The overwhelming majority of gun owners are responsible gun owners. Uh, and a Southern Democrat traditionally can, you know, spin that. Yeah. You know, but I, I like her. She, of the losers in the midterms, she's my favorite. And my least is, of course, uh, dear old Beto. Yeah, which is a media creation. You know, my family is from El Paso, and there's a, and he is the most successful state and national political candidate to come out of El Paso, which is a huge city that is a Hispanic majority that is always kind of the stepchild of Texas urban okay. centers. Uh, so there's a part of me that's like, I'm glad that they've produced a star. Right. Um, but I just I ch- and, and certainly he shouldn't – Ted Cruz should have won by 15 points and he didn't. Correct. Uh, but there's just something about him. I don't know what it is that I just don't – I don't buy his performance. The skateboarding. I, yeah, sure, break. sure. I, I just don't break. buy it. I don't buy it. Okay, it's time for our last question. Yes. Ready? Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part of this interview? I think my favorite part of this interview, and I know right off the top of my head, other than seeing you, which has been a while, uh, is when you were a, a, a weird little bitch about your brilliant comedy routine. Well, you are welcome. 